0: Welcome to the e commerce disruptors podcast, where alongside digital marketing experts, we give you our best tips, techniques, and insights on how you can be a disruptor in your industry. Hi, this is Noel Lopez from e commerce disruptors, where we give you tips, techniques, and advice to help you disrupt your e commerce industry. Today, our guest is Dale Bertrand, president of Fire and Spark. So, Dale, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for having you uh, come on. Today to speak with us and would love to uh, just hear a little bit about you and have you introduce yourself. All oh, right, great. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I'd like to say that first off, um, <laughs> but yeah, my name is Dale. I run Fire and Spark. We're an e-commerce marketing agency, and yeah, I'm happy to be with you today.
0: Yes, and Dale, it's it's always interesting to to kind of hear how people uh, wind up in this industry and 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 what attracted them. So, tell us a little bit about. How you got your start in digital marketing and, and what ultimately got you to uh, e-commerce?
1: Oh, wow. So that depends on how far back you want to go. So <laughs> I, have, I have a, a technical background um, from back in the day. So undergrad, I studied electrical engineering, which was really computer engineering. So yeah. uh, computer design, building computers. And then in grad school, I studied AI. So that's how I got into at first building a computer, um, but uh, sorry, building a, a search engine but then that actually that project with one of my college roommates actually morphed into a poker bot so we actually ended up <laughs> um, you know making some money at low limit tables but um didn't do so well at the higher limit tables no uh, way that, that was back in the day and then um so believe it or not I, I i did work for a bunch of semiconductor companies and i was always running my own uh sites in in the basically nights and weekends, and then also working with clients. So yeah. when I was done with my computer hardware career, which was maybe 10 years ago, I just stuck with the consulting and that turned into an agency. And, and 10 years later, we're working with a, a bunch of brands. So um, yeah, worked out worked out okay. That's fantastic. All from a poker bot, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that was the
0: first failed project. And then we, we got smarter from there. And I mean, you've been in the game, you know, for 10 years now, what would you say is, is really, regardless of the product, what do all e-commerce businesses need to be successful? What would you say is, is one of the biggest things to focus on?
1: That's interesting. Um, I guess when, when I talk to e-commerce marketers, it's really about positioning, so if you're if you're selling something online, there's a lot of channels you could be going after like affiliate or or going after influencer marketing, uh, SEO, paid ads, Facebook, all that good stuff, email. I mean, there's there's a bunch more. But what we found is if you've got your positioning really dialed in so that you know exactly who that audience is you're going after, you know what their pain points are, you know how to craft your messaging so it really resonates with them then, then that's really, those are the sites that, that do best. So when I start working with a a new brand, uh, brand owner, e-commerce manager, um, really talking about that positioning and trying to understand the audience they're going after and how well they know their audience. And I I think there's a big difference between an e-commerce site that is super broad, doesn't really know, uh, who their audience is, and they're still trying to figure that out versus one who has figured it out. They're just trying to figure out what channels to use to reach that, that audience.
0: Yeah, Dale. And I think it's it's very interesting you say that because there's there's this term that's been flirt- floating around that uh, is becoming more popular. And it's this idea around hyper personalization. Uh, the more focused you can get on your audience, uh, the the more you can really tailor that message to make sure that it's resonating with them and I I think really that's kind of what you're describing in in terms of understanding what the landscape looks like and I wonder what you think in how that relates to direct competitors so say I've got a product and I know my competitors how do I compete with them and, and make sure that I'm breaking through all the noise
1: so you've got to be different in some way. And a lot of, a lot of times it really depends on who your competitors are. So you might, you might have a brand that is going after a very specific audience. And then there are some other brands out there going after the same audience. You still have to figure out how you're different, um, how your positioning is, is going to really set you apart. And then you, you, I also work with retailers, so brick and mortar retailers who are trying to get online. Yeah. And what I find most interesting about those projects is that the the local competition for their brick-and-mortar retail is going to be very different from the competition that they have when they go online and a lot of times they don't need to work as hard to differentiate themselves on Main Street <laughs> compared yeah. to you know the thought that they need to put into it when once they get into the the vast jungle you know that is that is the internet
0: yeah and I think you you bring up an interesting topic in terms of seeing these stores that are making the move into e-commerce, and one thing that that we've noticed w- with a lot of new uh, businesses stepping into the space is making an impact and and being searchable online, showing up on on Google, through Google results, and and making sure that they are getting on page one. Do you think there's a there's a way for smaller brands or newer brands to compete against those well-established brands that really have already been in e-commerce for for some time and and are showing up on those on on that page one.
1: Well, well, yes and no. I mean, the the real answer is that it depends. I mean, what you wouldn't want to do if you're just getting started with SEO, for example. You wouldn't want to go directly against an established competitor that all that ranks well for some high-volume, super-competitive keywords, and they've got a ton of authority, uh, search engine authority, because they've been around forever, um, and they have a ton of links that that's helping them out. So you really wouldn't want the full frontal assault. But it, but you can compete when it comes to long-tail keywords. So if you're looking at long-tail keywords like red Nike men's running shoe or, or something like that, where it, the traffic, basically the person typing that into Google, they know exactly what they want. So they're yeah. probably ready to buy. So that type of traffic is going to convert at a higher rate, which is huge, much higher rate than a keyword like shoes, where they're just starting their search and you have no idea what they're actually searching for. But that longer tail traffic is going to land on a product page hopefully one that has a big picture of a red Nike men's running <laughs> ship and a big buy button next to it. So it's gonna, it's gonna convert better. And then, and then also if you can go long tail like that and, and maybe Nike isn't the best example because it's a known brand and you're gonna have, you're gonna have a lot of, um, of competitors selling exactly the same product. But if you can go after those long tail keywords, find ones that aren't super competitive then, then you can compete, even if you're new. And sometimes I'm working with online retailers that are building out a new category. Um, like I, I didn't know that there was somebody online selling, uh, you know, like organic dog treats or something. I know there's probably a lot of them now, but yeah, back when there, back when there was, uh, you know, retailer number one selling those. Um, You you absolutely you can compete if people are searching for it because not a lot of other people are have that same product. So the the e-commerce space is huge in terms of the types of products, the amount of competition for the different product segments. And some of them have entrenched competitors and some of them don't. Um, And then there's also search volume. If if there's a ton, ton of people searching for it, then there's there's more room for competitors than a keyword space where there aren 't uh, as there just aren 't that many searches
0: yeah, and I, I think that that is a really important aspect of it is not going after just the high volume keywords um, you know with with people who are a little bit newer to seo they they seem to think that those are the the keywords they should be ranking for and should be going after and, and really, to your point it, it should be a mixture of those low to medium to high volume keywords that way you 're starting to you know, gain traction, but you're not burning yourself out trying to go after these keywords that competitors have been owning for quite some time. Yeah,
1: and if you if you have some stamina, you can start to get more competitive keywords over time. Uh, but it's definitely not going to happen in the beginning.
0: Yeah, and I I think SEO gets a little tricky in that sense that uh, a lot of times new businesses are looking for a very quick return on the work that they're doing or the work that they're having an agency do when really it's, it's more of that long game. You really have to set down a foundation and, and grow that over time. And I, I, I know we frequently tell clients, Hey, if we're going to do SEO, be mindful that really this is, is going to take some time to grow. Uh, and, and typically we see those results over, over three months. And I, I, I'm curious to, to hear a, a lot of clients will often ask for a guarantee around SEO. And as you know, and I know SEO is is not something that you can guarantee. There's so many different factors, but I, I am curious to hear how you approach that when, when that does come up. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, really what that's what, so the way I look at it is the sentiment behind that question is really who's going to take the risk. So I'm usually looking for a partnership where we're both taking risk. Uh, for me, I'm putting a lot of time up front into crafting an SEO campaign and um, trying trying to get it started out in the right direction, and then the client that I'm working with is is paying something for those services. Um, the first the first month or two are usually a loss leader where we're we're putting a lot more into it than than we're actually getting paid for, but we're we're looking for a long term relationship when it comes to you know us doing SEO for an e commerce site. So the way that I look at it is, I mean. Honestly, you want everybody to have some skin in the game and be invested in a positive outcome, so you wouldn't you wouldn 't want it to be and it 's for the reason that you said there 's so much going on I mean obviously for SEO you need the right strategy, but you also need coordination in terms of you know with the brand that you 're working with uh, with the site owner that you 're working with in terms of making changes to the site and also understanding the the positioning and you know how that brand is is has decided to, to do their, to craft their messaging. And then you also need some cooperation from Google because it's, it's always possible that um, Google's constantly making changes and some changes are bigger than others, but there is a luck factor that uh, sometimes you can have a change on Google's end that helps you. And sometimes you have changes that Google makes that don't help you. it's yes. so, so much out of everybody's control. You just want, all the stakeholders to be aligned or have their interests aligned.
0: And it's the algorithm is, is changing. So, and, and there are small changes that are happening, you know, daily, but then they'll release kind of those bigger updates. And it, it's funny. We actually did see uh, Google release an update that um, shifted the algorithm to purge, to be a little bit more selective in, in the keywords it is picking up and the keywords that it is purging. And And we saw a few, uh, a few of our clients keywords actually take a little bit of a dip but then come back up so that 's one thing uh, I think is is also something that you know we have to be mindful of and the client needs to be mindful of is is how volatile SEO can be The way I like to describe it is just a marathon that never ends, and the only way uh, to win is 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 to play and, and once you 're in it, you really just have to keep fostering it and, and growing it.
1: Yeah and I think it's important to talk about the positive side of SEO. Oh, so at absolutely. the end of the day, you know, if you if you uh, you figure out the right strategy, you know, make the appropriate optimization or changes to your site, so that you're optimizing your site properly, then the dream is free traffic from Google and free traffic that converts into customers. And you know, we we've, we've been there. I mean, I've been doing SEO for a long time, so i 've been there a bunch of times with sites that that I own, and then also with client sites and it's it 's like nirvana when it really hits right because it really is free traffic from Google, um, very different from paid advertising when you 're doing paid advertising you 're getting uh, an immediate payoff you know you pay for a click, you get the click today, and either they buy or they don 't and you can you can determine that immediately and decide whether the ROI is worth it going forward to continue that campaign. But SEO is different where, excuse me, SEO is different where it just takes longer. And once you've got it working, like it's, it's Nirvana, like I said, or it can be, um, as long as Google doesn't change things out from under you. But, um, but it does take the right strategy and some time to get there.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to see how Google has, has changed that algorithm over time where initially you could get away with keyword stuffing or, or all these backlinks, these spam backlinks and, and how far it's come over the last few years. But, yeah, I, but I think it's also important to talk about why the algorithm
1: is changing. So at the end of the day, Google, like Google's a, a happiness engine. I don't know if you've heard this one before, but yeah. when people search, they're trying to give them what they're looking for. So if I'm searching for a watch set for a couple, that's that's what I just typed into Google. Google wants to send me to exactly that on a site that is trustworthy. So the reason why Google's changing their algorithm is because they're getting better at finding the best sites and determining which e-commerce sites are trustworthy in terms of how they treat their customers. Do they send them the product that they bought? Do they, um, do they send them the product at all? Uh, do they steal their, contact, uh, their credit card information? Um, there are crappy sites out there that do that sort of thing. And that's the reason why Google is constantly tweaking their algorithm. The problem comes in when legitimate sites get caught up in one of these algorithm changes uh, unintentionally. Yeah. And a lot of times we see those sites get their traffic back because google's trying to get it right um, mm-hmm. but but other times um maybe you didn't deserve to have the traffic because you weren't you didn't have relevant content or products to the keywords you were ranking for, or you're doing something shady or you're not very good to your customers, in which case Google did the right thing by by taking away your traffic so um but at the end of the day, like if you have a good business and you're good to your customers and you have products and content that's relevant to the keywords that you want to rank for and you're able to prove your authority to Google with, with some links and um, some reviews and Google reviews that are positive, then you, you have the type of site that Google is optimizing for. And even if you end up taking some step, steps backwards at times, you're, you're going to be headed generally in the right direction in terms of getting more traffic from Google over time because you have something of value. Uh, that that Google's visitors are looking for, and Google wants to send that traffic to to your site.
0: Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. It, it is a ha- you know a happiness engine, really. When you boil it down, essentially, what's happening is you know the consumer is asking a question, and Google is trying to serve up the best answer through good SEO, through good content, to making making sure that you are ranking for the right keywords. That that's really you become that answer to your consumer. And ultimately that's that's what lands you on on page one. And and it's interesting to see how the algorithm has evolved. I mean, at this point they're even combing reviews and, and, and factoring that in to to negative reviews versus positive reviews. And it's amazing to see how it can it continually evolves so to make sure that it is ultimately providing the, the most relevant content to to any consumer that's searching.
1: I couldn't yep I agree with you hundred percent. They've, and they do a pretty good job. There's like what a lot of people don't understand is like half of the internet is garbage.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> have,
1: like, you know, scam sites or sites that are scraping information from legitimate sites and just publishing it as their own. And the reason why we don't see most of that is because Google does a really good job of filtering it out. I mean, that, that's, that's their job.
0: Absolutely, and and I I think that's for me what what, what frustrates me sometimes because I'm sure you've seen this as well. There there are agencies that promise you know page one results and uh, top notch traffic quickly. Telling any clients or, or, or even you know, friends asking for, for a recommendation of, of what they should be doing, I, I tell them to steer away immediately. I, Google itself states, no one can guarantee page one results. And, and when you see that, it's, it's immediately a red flag for this is not a legitimate agency. Any SEO strategy or plan is, is, is going to take time and it will require an investment in order to make it succeed.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, I would take it one step further. Like if you're working with a legitimate agency they're before they ask you to sign anything or pay anything, they're going to take a look at your site, the keywords you want to rank for, who is the competition and give you an honest, an honest answer as to whether you, you have a chance of competing against the competition in your industry for the keywords that you want. And I would say for us, I mean, half the time, the answer is no, and we'll we'll try to find like for example a jewelry site that wants to rank for the keyword jewelry. Um, you know, if you're just starting out, that's that's really not the right goal. You want and it's it's impossible any time in the short term to really rank for a keyword like that. But you you really want to figure out well, wait a minute, what are the long tail keywords that we should be ranking for? Um, is it is it diamond jewelry hoop earrings or um, synthetic diamonds or you know something like that uh, that would that would be more productive in in a lot of ways
0: yeah and those long tail keywords really have become much more valuable because really it it's it's much closer to the way someone would speak or ask a question and, and the way that consumers are searching nowadays um typically someone going to look for something online has has a general idea of what they want if not uh more details around it. And the more long tail keywords you can have, ultimately the better your strategy becomes. Um, so one, one question that I do have for you is, is when, again, with e-commerce and, and whether they're established or not, how, how can brands really begin to optimize their, their sites for search? So, yeah, well,
1: that's, that's the number one question. So I, I think it really starts with understanding, you know, what is your keyword strategy? So what are the opportunities in in your niche for your audience, given your product catalog uh, to to rank? So looking at competitors, what keywords are they ranking for? And then also getting the search volume, either you could do that using keyword planner in uh, a Google ads account, which used to be called AdWords or using a paid tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush or something like that. But you wanna know what is the search volume so that you're, at the end of the day, your keyword strategy should really be focused on going after keywords that hit the trifecta. And and the trifecta is relatively high search volume, uh, relatively low competition, and high relevance, which really means that it's likely to convert. So people are searching for something that you have. Um, And those are the types of keywords that that you would wanna go after. And then optimizing your product pages so that you're you're including all of of your keywords and keywords you think people are going after one thing we do when it comes to optimizing product pages and trying to figure out what the right keywords are is we think about all the, the product details, we think about descriptive words that would describe the product, we think about synonyms, uh, so we have as many as possible. And then we also think about the problem that the product solves and the use cases, like where would you use that product? And if you think about it from like 360 um, view like I'm talking about here, you can really come up with a lot of words. And just as an example, there was a, a company we were working with where they were selling a, a ergo, ergonomic chair, and they really just called it the ergo because that was the name of the product. But they didn't have the words ergonomic chair on the, on the um, page. But also if you think about it, when you think about problems it solves, you'd also want to have words on the page like, neck pain or back pain and then in terms of use cases it would where where would you use one of those chairs maybe it's a a, an office chair or a home office chair and then all of a sudden you really start to build out product details descriptive words uh, synonyms for all those words and then a number of different keywords that come out of the the problems the product is solving and, and its use
0: cases and really identifying those, those broad based keywords, thinking about the whole funnel, so to speak of that consumer journey. So, and I think that's, um, building off of that content becomes a huge aspect of that because it allows you to just grow the number of pages that are related to, to your business uh, and and really begin to establish yourself as, as a reputable business and an industry leader. Um, and and I, I couldn't agree more with you that it's funny how many businesses we'll see that have a lot of brand keywords around them, but not those broad-based keywords. and that And that's really what you want so that when someone is looking for your product that may not know about it, they're able to find you. Yeah, exactly. And then if you happen to be a brand that
1: already has some branded keyword traffic, then you want to make, I mean, maybe you're selling on your site and you're selling through some other online retailers. If you own the brand, you should really own the, the branded keywords. Yeah. So um, that's another thing to look at and look at them one by one and try to understand why am I not number one for my
0: branded keyword? Completely agree. And, and I, I, would, I would ask, you know, really in your opinion, what do you think is the number one SEO tip you could give someone? who's just starting out oh,
1: to somebody who's just starting out. I'll give you the tip that I give for everybody. And it it's really like the, the sites that I've worked with that have, that have really just exploded, you know, beyond like 2 million visitors a month. I mean, it's ridiculously big. What, what the secret has really been building a community around the site. So it's not just a collection of product Pages and product photography and and buy buttons, but it's really uh, useful content and a community around that content and a community that's engaged in that content and contributing to the site. So you can think of it as a blog with comments or a, an FAQ with community sponsored answers or submitting with a community that's submitting answers to the questions or maybe a forum or something like that and i know a lot of people in the seo space don't really think that way but and and that's a lot harder than just adding some keywords to your product pages but that's the like gangster strategy when it comes to seo if you think about it if you are able to build a community around your site whatever it is then you're getting the engagement metrics google's looking for which is like you know b- like search traffic bouncing and then you're also getting user-generated content, so you're not writing articles. You're relying on your community to build out the the content and the keywords um, that you'll be getting driving traffic to those content. And then you're also getting links, which is going to drive your authority. So that that's the the biggest tip I could think of if you if you really want to think about SEO differently and and win.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you 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 nailed it on the head really because it's ultimately it's it's creating a, an experience through your website and and that that feeling of a community i think and maybe 5 10 years ago a lot of times you would see almost websites that were brochureware and unfortunately sometimes even nowadays you'll see that but that really there there is no room for that anymore if your website isn't engaging isn't immediately answering the question people aren't going to stay. The attention span is just not there. Um, you're, you're a swipe away from, from losing that person and 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 losing that consumer, uh, not to mention a, someone who could eventually become a, a raving fan for your product. So I, I think, uh, again, the way you described a website and what it should be is is really what all e-commerce businesses should strive for.
1: Yeah, useful content, um, an engaging site, and people kind of, some people are there to, to learn and they buy something as a, as a side effect of that. But it's really asking a lot. Um, Cause very few, very few e-commerce sites go beyond just product listings and really try to have some useful information. Maybe they have products in a blog. Um, and then very, very few have a community around their brand um, that is, that's engaged with the brand uh, yeah. on social and on the site and, Um, and, and that's just, I mean, that's, that's a high bar, but if, if you can start thinking like that from day one, you've, you're well, well ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. I think content that, that typically that I've, I've found is, is one of the biggest obstacles for a a lot of, you know, e-commerce businesses that are just starting out. They, they don't necessarily have the time to, to be putting that effort there and, and writing that content or, or posting that content or, or even just engaging with, with their fans or their consumers the way that they, they would like. So I think it's, it's trying to strike a balance between all of that. And, and that's, I mean, that's a reason why so many agencies take on that, that responsibility, whether it's handling the SEO or or creating that content for the blogs or, and really helping to grow that website experience into a brand experience. Totally agree. Totally agree. So Dale, one thing that I did want to ask you is, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you think is is important for our viewers to hear and our listeners?
1: Yeah, well, we we talked about the important part. which like SEO takes a while, if you if you really wanna if you really wanna own some keywords that are gonna drive traffic for, um, I was about to say for years to come, but you just never know how long uh, the good times are gonna roll um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a, in a particular niche. But um, you, know, drive some valuable traffic for some period of time. You, you really need to take a long-term approach, and that's not the right thing for every brand. Um, some, some brands do well with advertising Facebook and, and other types of PVC ads. But Facebook can, I'm sorry, but SEO can also be a, a good channel for other brands. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So Dale, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us on the, uh, on the podcast today and, uh, speaking to uh, growing an e-commerce business as well as the importance of SEO. Um, and before we close out, are there any last minute tips you have for our listeners or? Yeah. I mean,
1: one thing we didn't cover like, uh, you know, gift keywords or holiday SEO. I mean, for holiday SEO, start thinking about, the holiday keywords that you want to rank for sometime during the summer so you can create content and have it up in September. Um, That's one thing. And some of those, you know, some of those are gift keywords, Christmas keywords, holiday keywords, that sort of thing. But the reason why I'm mentioning that is because like now is the time that we start thinking about the holiday season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those seasonal keywords are, can be vital for any business really.
1: Yep, yep. Depends on the the seasonality that you see in the the purchase behavior on your site. Some products are more
0: seasonal than others. Absolutely. Well, Dale, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate it. And to our listeners out there, uh, thank you again for tuning into e-commerce disruptors. Please subscribe and comment. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Electric Engine. And find more information at electricengine.com. And that's engine, E-N-J-I-N. Thank you. This has been the e-commerce Disruptors Podcast presented by Electric Engine. Subscribe today to stay up to date on all future episodes. Please follow us at Electric Engine on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or shoot us an email at podcast at electricengine.com. That's engine spelled E-N-J-I-N. Feel free to leave us any comments or questions about this episode and let us know what you'd want to hear on future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening.